Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I can imagine a little bit of what must have been going through the minds of the apostles in the ten days between when the Lord Jesus ascended and when the Holy Spirit finally descended, as was promised. There was, on the one hand, the joy that we read about in the reading from Luke. After Jesus had ascended, the apostles find themselves in the temple, praising God for all the mighty works that have been done for them. There is great joy and thanksgiving. But there's also, I imagine, a great deal of trepidation. For indeed, at this point, they know what is coming next. They know that they cannot simply remain there in that safe place of the temple, cannot remain there with friends and easy companions, at least not forever. But the time is swiftly coming when they will have to depart from the temple, depart from Jerusalem, depart even from the lands of Judea and of Galilee that they had called home for so many years. They must go out into the reaches of the world, they must go to the very ends of the earth, wherever they shall be called. They must speak to a people that they do not know, often in a language and culture that they will not understand. They will face many trials that have been prepared for them. They will face potentially persecution for what they believe and for what they preach. Even as there is the great joy of Christ's ascension in their hearts, even as there is the anticipation of the Pentecost day when Spirit shall come and empower them, there is also the fear of the future. A long, unknown time 
a long path yet untrod, and all of the anxiety that comes with that uncertainty. The reason that I can imagine that this is what they must have been feeling those 10 days, because I once had the opportunity to experience it for myself. To give you a bit of insight into the life of a pastor, this is very much what it feels like in the time between when we receive our calls and when finally we are installed at the congregation that we are to serve. There is joy, to be sure, the joy of having completed your studies, the joy of having come thus far, having received the word from God that indeed you have been called into this service, but then there is also the trepidation and the expectations that are now before you. There is the fear of what will this place be like? What will the people be like? Will I understand them and will they understand me? It may be a place I have never been before. It may be a culture that we are not used to dealing with. It may be something entirely different than anything that we have ever experienced before. And there is, amidst all the joy of that time, anxiety. And there is also, for those of us who went through this, and indeed I imagine for the apostles as well, a little bit of doubt in oneself that comes up. It's hard not to spend that time awaiting going out, wondering if you're really ready for it. Did I learn enough in the last four years that I spent in this school? And indeed, as that day approaches, you find yourself suddenly more aware of the things that you do not know as well as you think you ought to. You sometimes feel that standing up in the pulpit, you've somehow snuck past the guards at the gate, somehow gotten through when somebody should have caught you beforehand and said, you ought not to be here. And I imagine that as much as every seminarian and every pastor has dealt with this, so too the apostles dealt with it as well. But I will also say, I am keenly aware that I probably did not experience it nearly as acutely as they did. There is, of course, a lot of anxiety, but the fact of the matter is, I knew at least the ballpark of where I was going to go. No matter where I was sent in this country, I could reasonably rely that I shall know some things about the people I am talking to. I shall know something about how to live in this place. It will be familiar. It will be comfortable. And even as we do like to spend a lot of time in the seminary complaining about how we are clearly entering into the post-Christian future, that day when being a Christian is no longer easy and comfortable, or the days when the church is no longer respected by people writ large. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's still pretty comfortable to be a Christian today. I do not get up in the morning and anticipate that my faith shall earn me a beating. I come here with a reasonable expectation that I will be safe on Sunday morning. And even though there are those occasional instances in our country where violence does in fact enter into the church, 
Whether the recent shooting in Nashville or the previous shooting in Charleston, the fact of the matter is that the reason these grab our attention so much here in this country is precisely because they're actually quite rare. For the most part, the most that any of us will really have to deal with in this modern world is disregard, unkind words, people who don't want to be around us, people who will try to avoid us, and people who will do their best to shout us down and make us uncomfortable in this world. And the fact is, all of that was a good day for the apostles. Their anxiety must surely have been greater than mine or indeed of any Christian today, for they knew exactly what going out into the world would bring them. They knew that they shared in the destiny of their master, that just as Jesus had brought the word of God to a world that did not want it and responded with violence and hatred and destruction, so too the word of Christ on their lips would be met with much the same. By tradition standards, there is only one of the apostles that managed to avoid martyrdom. And even then, he had more than his fair, of, fair share of suffering before his death. But the rest of them, they knew what to expect. Whatever the instrument of their death was to be, they knew it was going to come. They knew that preaching the word would bring with it the lash of the whips that their master had borne, for some nails of a cross just like their Lord, and for all it would bring the sting of death for the sake of having spoken clearly the word of God. And I imagine that if I felt ill-prepared coming to a, by all accounts, very lovely congregation in a very lovely city of northern Illinois, then what must they have felt? knowing that they were going into a world that was darkened and hostile and where there was no promise of even the slightest reprieve. And I'm sure they despaired of their own ability. Were they truly up to the task? Would they truly prove faithful when the time came to surrender their own lives for the sake of fidelity to Christ and to his word? Were they in any way cut out for this? Were they in any way prepared for the magnitude of the task before them? And the answer is actually very simple. No. No, they weren't. No, they were not ready for the task that was prepared for them. Just as indeed no pastor is ever ready for the task before him, and indeed no Christian is ever truly ready for the life that Jesus calls us to. For make no mistake, even if you do not get up into the pulpit on Sunday morning, in the eyes of the world you are a preacher of Christ no less. And the world will hate that word that is in you just as surely as it will hate the word in me, as it hated the word in the mouths of the apostles, and as it hated the word of God made flesh who walked the dusty plains of Galilee. Make no mistake, 
In and of ourselves, none of us is ready for this. None of us has the strength of heart to go about this. The apostles themselves fleed when the hour of temptation came upon them. When the hour of despair was right before them, they fled from the cross of their Lord, ran for comfortable places beside charcoal fires, denied him as many times as it took in order to get the people off of their backs. And really, why should they expect to be any difference in the years to come? And why should we expect ourselves to be any difference? But the good news for us is that Christ has provided for this. Indeed, Christ, more than anyone, knows that we are not capable. Christ knows that the apostles will face more temptation than they can possibly bear on their own. And it is for this reason that he sends them a helper. Although, if I can quibble for a moment, I don't think helper is really a good word here. It's not wrong, but it's not enough. Helper always makes it sound as though you can sort of contribute a bit, but not enough. Like you just need an additional hand in order to get it done. But really, the Holy Spirit, our helper, our guide, our advocate, he does more than simply assist us. Rather, he does for us everything. Apart from the Spirit, indeed, the task of the Christian life is too much for anyone to bear. Apart from his abiding presence, none of us should have any confidence that we shall face this world unstained. None of us should have any confidence that when the day of persecution comes upon us that we shall remain faithful. But it is only by the Spirit that indeed we have any hope. And indeed it is only by the Spirit that we have full hope that we shall meet all of these trials in perseverance. Jesus gave his spirit to his disciples precisely because they were not suited to the task. They were frail men, weak men, men who were prone to temptation and sin just as you or I or any other born of Adam truly is. Left to their own devices, the gospel would not have lasted even a single generation. They would have fled. They would have forgotten. They would have kept their mouths shut in the face of all of the trials and persecutions that beset them. But the Spirit gave them strength. The Spirit taught them what was necessary to endure their afflictions. The Spirit taught them their dependency upon God and his word in all things. The Spirit brought to mind every gracious promise which Jesus had laid before them, reminded them of the importance of the task that was before them, but all the more reminded them of the forgiveness of Christ that they would always have. For make no mistake, the apostles failed afterwards. They did not suddenly become supermen who were devoid of any temptation or affliction. Peter shut his mouth to the Judaizers when it was convenient for him. And I'm sure many an apostle knew a time where they should have been bold 
but remained quiet. Just as indeed I have, and indeed you have. For all of us, a firm and faithful reliance on the Spirit is the only thing that can see us through this difficult life that our Lord has called us to. But the Spirit has also promised us that there will be joy in the midst of all this. There is a joy that the world cannot comprehend in us. There is a joy that comes from the knowledge that our sins have been forgiven because of Christ and because of his death on the cross that nothing in this world can compare to. And indeed, this is a joy that no one can ever fathom apart from the Spirit. It is not a joy that any one of us could build up in ourselves. It is not a satisfaction that the things of this world can provide. It is a heavenly joy, a divine joy, a joy which comes straight from the heart of God, which we by his grace have been made partakers in. And for the long stretch of our Christian lives ahead of us, the only thing that really remains for us, the only thing that we really must do, if it can even be called something that we do, is to go and find the Spirit in the places that he has promised to be. He has promised that he will be found in the Scriptures, that there he will work through those words to accomplish in our hearts what is necessary for us, that in the pages of the Scriptures he will provide us with all comfort and consolation, all guidance and direction, and indeed all joy and hope of life everlasting. He has promised us that we shall truly find him in our baptism, wherein he was in the very waters that washed us clean from our sins. He has promised that we shall find him alongside the body and blood of our Lord in the sacrament which he himself blesses with his almighty power. And he has promised that in all of these things, we who are insufficient to the task have been fully equipped with everything that we need that all virtue and godliness is being prepared in us, all faith, hope, and joy being crafted within us to endure a dark and perplexing world. And the promise of Jesus is that for so long as this world persists, for so long as we are called to this work, the Spirit of Christ shall abide with us. The Holy Spirit will never depart from us. He will never leave from those places where he has promised to stand guard. And the gifts which he has prepared for you will be found day by day in fresh measure. Truly, that is something that today is worth celebrating. Celebrating that for all our inadequacies, that the Holy Spirit has made us fully equipped in Christ and celebrating that he shall always be with us beyond this long and difficult life, beyond this perplexing and challenging and dangerous world into a life everlasting, in a paradise of God's own creation, 
in a world where sin and death and devil are forever destroyed, where they are forever put away from us, where the Spirit truly fills the world in all of his resplendent glory, and where we ourselves are transformed according to his own works into the very image of Christ who bought us and who has loved us from the beginning. We pray for the Spirit's abiding presence, for the continued strength that we need day by day. We pray that the day of our deliverance comes speedily and that we may meet it with a truly divine joy. Amen. In the name of Jesus, our only hope in this life and the next. Amen.